0: Hey there, Game Level Learn listeners, John Cassie here. Uh, Before we get on with the rest of the show, I want to share with you a couple of opportunities for your own professional growth or your own edification that are coming up in January and in February. The first is Game Level Learn Con 2, which is going to take place on January 26th, 2020 at the Arite Preparatory Academy in West Los Angeles uh tickets are available at uh, at eventbrite and details are available at www.gamelevellearn.com we hope that many of you will take the time to come and join us and indeed uh, if you are interested in 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 sharing uh, with the game level learn audience or with the members of the con just shoot me an email or reach out and we'll see what we can do Uh, the second opportunity is february seven eight and nine friday saturday and sunday at the Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida, it's going to be a conference called Anyone's Game, a tabletop game conference exploring creativity, design, and openness in gaming. Up-and-coming up and tabletop game developers have a chance to test their game designs with players from the community and industry professionals across the country. This is being organized by my good friend Rick Dakin, who's a professor at Ringling, and there's going to be a lot of great industry guests like uh, like Ken Haidt, uh cassie friedman from uh letterman games uh you know myself and others so we look forward to meeting with you there hope that a number of you will come out to that as well and uh now on with the show
1: welcome to season four episode three of game leveler i'm tracy wozenegger and i am joined as always by jonathan cassie hey john hey man
0: how's it going trace how are
1: you it's going yeah? it's We survived 2019.
0: You freezing your meeples off in Pittsburgh?
1: No, it was 70 degrees on Saturday. <laughs> it was 55 here. I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. going to snow tomorrow, but it was 72 on Saturday. Yeah, remember, cool.
0: global warming's a hoax. Did I say right. that? Did I say that? Sorry. I'll edit that. I'll edit that. Uh, Tracy, it's good to see you, and it's very good... On this episode of Game Level Learn, to be joined by my uh, dear friend and fellow podcaster, Dustin Stats. Dustin, how's it going?
2: It's going awesome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I'm also really excited to chat with you guys about game-based learning and gamification.
0: Yeah, it's going to be brilliant.
1: Welcome, welcome.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I had a great time on your show, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward for you to share your perspectives thoughts and and uh uh, you know your your particular wisdom with you know with this audience who knows how much of it overlaps right
2: right and it's really cool that i'll have a chance to i've already met you in person but it'll be awesome to meet tracy in person here at game level learn con too exactly
1: a week a little over a week
2: right a little
0: over a week from when we're recording
2: yeah i guess game level learn con 2 Also, or 2-2. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Game
0: Level Learn Con 2, (laughs) 2. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, You know, we're... There are a lot of folks coming who have kind of a wide... You know, we've cast a wide net, my my sort of co-organizer and I. And we've got people from all kinds of different perspectives... Uh, coming to this particular show and you know I I hope that we get a lot of uh, you know a lot of first-time attendees and and new and sort of interesting people to you know to meet and collaborate with as I've said you know I've said this to Tracy and you know almost every episode we're still really early days in this kind of work
1: yeah for sure
0: and there's a lot of people who are like-minded who we haven't we haven't reached yet. They don't realize we're out here. Yeah. Right. And the more we can bring them into the conversation, the better it is, it seems to me.
1: Yeah. It's about finding each other.
0: In some respects, it really is, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't know this, this field really existed until, I mean, maybe three years ago. And I was already doing something. I didn't know there was a term for it. Right. Right. Very much the same, right? Um,
0: when I started working on the book that was published in 2016, I'd started working on it in 2011. And there was virtually no, there there was some, but there wasn't a lot of writing. There weren't a lot of other books to, you know, to read to get a sense of it. So we're still in early days. Um, And I hope that, you know, you listeners are, uh, you know, going to give us some feedback on this episode, as well as on past episodes that you've listened to and, and shared your thoughts on, uh, but let's get going. Dustin, stats. Give us a little background info. You know, what, what have you been up to? What What were you doing? It was very interesting because Dustin and I had a game day um, just a few days ago. And when I said, you know, talk to me about your sort of itinerary, your journey as an educator. It's like, woo, crazy. <laughs> How interesting. So share some thoughts and then we'll get into kind of what we're playing and all that.
2: Yeah, so when we had a chance to meet, I had just moved back from LA or moved back to LA from Taiwan um, in September. And before that, I kind of and I was telling you, I'd list off some places where I've either taught or worked into I worked in some educational programs like after school programs. Um, so before Taiwan and in Taiwan, I was teaching university students and I did about half a year teaching at different high schools there, too. Um, before that, I was in China, uh, Korea. Washington D.C. and Los Angeles. So I've been in the classroom formally teaching for about five years. Out of those last, I think I've been in education for about nine years now. Uh, and then I've worked in a lot of after-school programs too. All
0: over the world.
2: Crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's awesome to be able to like, if any teachers are out there and have opportunity to. Travel and teach. I would highly, highly recommend it because it's it's a it's enlightening to kind of see the different uh, experiences and different ways that education is valued in other parts of the world too.
0: Mm-hmm. And you, uh, you grew up in Nebraska, right?
2: Yep. Right. And I went to the university there in Nebraska. Yeah. So you have that
0: kind of um, uh, you know you have a kind of midwestern perspective and. Uh, you know the University of Nebraska is you know one of the great public schools in the you know in the, in the country uh, so you've got you know a, a, a little bit of that as
2: well right yeah I think I majored in English literature and minored in education so for me I I loved my program there the English program and um, the, the English department and I learned a lot in uh, education I actually took a minor in ESL which actually sent me on the trajectory of teaching abroad, which at the time I just, I signed up for the course, not thinking anything of it. But then after I graduated, the first job I took was teaching ESL in Korea. Uh,
0: I I suspect that everyone listening to this podcast and Tracy and myself would all agree that there are aspects of things that we did in our undergraduate or graduate careers that seemed like a one-off. And now it's like, (laughs) how how did this become so much of my life? Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, so you're, you're, you've transitioned back from Taiwan and you're in a place where you're still trying to land that, that permanent gig here in Southern California.
2: Right. Right. So yeah, yeah. one thing too, we're doing is building a community of educators and game-based learners here in LA. So I'm hoping to reach out, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, to find people physically near LA. Yeah. I'm looking forward to helping you build that. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Um, we're uh, we're
0: geographically a couple of uh, you know about 90 miles away from each other, so we have an opportunity to you know engage different parts of the region, you know, in the hopes of you know of building that community. Um, so that's exciting. So you came to game-based learning and gamified instruction. How?
2: This is my favorite. I think my favorite question. <laughs> okay. Because I first used, I guess, gamification in my ESL classroom as a first year teacher. I think a lot of people can relate. Classroom management is can be a real struggle. And for me, with uh, I had twelve year old, thirteen year old boys in middle school in Korea, and nine or ten of them were boys, and there are a couple girls, so they were very rambunctious and. Uh, would do things that were not acceptable in the classroom and so I was struggling to figure out a way to connect with the students and really uh, manage their behavior and have them follow expectations I set for them in the classroom and so what I did is I took Avengers and I laid a gamification system onto what we are already doing for our reward-based system in the school so the reward-based system was Like blue star, red star. You get a blue star if you answer a question correctly. You get a red star if you're doing some behavior, like talking in Korean, something that's not allowed in the classroom, you get a red star. Or talking out of turn, you get a red star. So what I did instead of using that system for this particular class, I took Avengers and split up the class into groups. And each group chose an Avenger superhero and then i took the leftover superhero so at the other end of the board (laughs) (laughs) at the other end of the board was loki which they needed their superhero to make it from one end of the board to the other end of the board and to do that they would do anything that would constitute earning a blue star so answering question correctly um working silently in class maybe i might highlight a group and say hey look at spider-man's group they're working really well and i'll move that spider-man over so whoever first makes it over to Loki gets to uh, earn bonus stars at the end of class, which is a way to get out of detention for the school. If they have these stars, they get a free pass out of detention. So I I used my own system as a way to integrate it into something we were already doing in class Mm -hmm. or in the school. Um, And one thing that I did, too, is because I didn't want to take their superheroes back if they did some behavior that they weren't supposed to be doing. That's where my superhero came into play, is I moved mine across the board instead. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and looking back, I kind of wish I would have, like, created myself in a superhero costume and put put myself (laughs) up on the board. (laughs) But that was the first time I used gamification. I had no idea that was gamification until I started doing research... Um, maybe about three years ago, and learning about this terminology for it. Right.
1: I, w- I need to know who the leftover Avengers were.
2: I think Hawkeye was one. And oh, the, sure. Uh, oh, man, I can't no remember. Love. Maybe the Hulk sometimes, yeah. Oh. There were two girls, so they would always choose Black Widow. Yeah. So Black Widow was always up there, Spider-Man, Iron Man. Uh, Captain America. Those were the ones that were pretty popular.
1: It's funny.
2: Right.
0: Um, You know, we've talked about these kinds of gamification methods where rather than having students competing against each other, they're competing against you, the teacher. Right. Right. And I think that was good instincts on your part, Dustin.
2: Right. And that's one thing, too, that we had, I guess, uh, that a lot of teachers talked about in Korea is the um, I can't remember the word, but the community aspect of the classroom and how they that's part of their culture identity, too, is a Korean whole community identity instead of the individual. And so being able to leverage that as a teacher is something that a lot of teachers would talk about doing. Uh, especially for teachers that weren't Korean, we kind of needed to learn how to navigate those cultural differences.
0: And they were probably pretty significant.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it was crazy how, how quickly, it, or how well and how quickly it worked. Like, I wish I would have started off doing something very similar, but I guess that's, I mean, that's how we learned.
0: Yeah. Tracy, have you ever used those kind of methods for classroom management purposes
1: no yeah I've never used gamification or any sorts of like rewards or anything for classroom management
0: yeah I've, I've i've never done that either but i'm always intrigued when i hear people who've often that's kind of a first a first 4A. way in yeah, yeah. right right yeah. um
1: and that's how um is it Classcraft? is that what it's called Indeed, that program—that's—they market that as primarily a classroom management tool. I think,
2: mm-hmm.
0: for yeah. sure, for sure. That—that's—that's that's what they, you know, that's what they mean it to be. Um, so, all right. So you start it in a kind of discipline framework, right? How did right. it? How did it emerge? How did it grow? How did it develop into instructional practice?
2: Right. So I guess that's where. I guess, I mean, it has a similar story, but I don't have a specific anecdote to where or when I started using game-based learning. But with language instruction, a lot of times I would want to develop a game and use that game as a way to target learning outcomes. One example later on that I had used, uh, this was when I was teaching university students uh, the last couple of years, is I developed a negotiation game to... Uh, reinforce some vocabulary from the lesson as well as some grammar structures and um, understanding like win-win deals and what that means to uh, negotiate and do something that both teams want to do. So that was when I started using games to target specific learning outcomes. And I realized that in a lot of the lessons I did, it was just a way to add engagement to what we were doing in class. And then, again, down the road, I realized this was game-based learning. I was designing games with a targeted learning outcome. Mm -hmm. Tracy, what do we say about learning outcomes?
1: Well, I'm not going to say it very eloquently, but the learning outcome is the priority. And then the game follows.
2: 100%. Yeah, yeah. Right, right.
0: (laughs) If you don't have a clear, good... Or even learning understandable outcome. learning outcome. It doesn't right. even have to be very good. It has to be understandable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: right. If you don't have that, then... You,
1: you don't know. have anything.
0: That's right. Yeah, stop listening to this show. Yeah. <laughs> Go and get a learning objective, would you already, yeah. please? Right? Um, what, what did your What did your students say, Dustin? Did they like this? Did they dislike it? What?
2: I would say, so <laughs> there's... Two answers to that question. Usually, I always institute like a pre-survey, mid-survey, and post-survey throughout the semester for my university students. And all the time, they would say, play more games. That was always mm-hmm. <laughs> always something that showed up all the time. So I think for the most part, most students enjoy the games because they're engaged. They, I usually am very good at iterating why we're doing this game and how it's targeting different learning outcomes or the reasons for why we're using these games in class. I did have one semester where I did see a handful of students say we played too many games. <laughs> and so, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's I think, and I looked back on that semester and kind of was trying to understand why maybe they thought, because I do remember one saying like games, we're here to learn, games are a waste of time. And maybe I wasn't as clear as I usually am in explaining the reason for some of these games because... What we did is I had a flipped classroom environment where a lot of the instruction was online. So what I wanted to do in class was build stronger relationships with students through either critical thinking skills or um, just communicative based learning where they're just practicing using their language. And I didn't make it clear that that's what those games were for every week. So the first hour of our three hour class, we would do some sort of game based activity. And I may have not been as clear as I could have been in explaining the reasons for why we're doing this each week.
0: I've often found that to be a challenge, right, Trace? What do you think?
1: I was going to ask another question. So go. You go on. No, no. Go. Oh well, I. So your question was, you know, how did students respond? It sounds like you've taught, um, you know, middle school, university students. Have you taught like students in what we would call high school?
2: Yeah, so high school, I taught just for about half a year, and I've done some private tutoring in high school students like on a one-on-one setting. But um, that was, I think, a very unique experience where I was um, working for a magazine publishing company, and I was taking their lessons or their materials and building a lesson out of like that, uh, that unit in the magazine and kind of demonstrating to teachers how they could use that. Um, so I don't have a lot of experience teaching high school. But with that, I did develop some games through those lessons.
1: I, yeah, so my I was just wondering if you thought that one age group responded, mm. um, you know, more enthusiastically toward game-based learning than another or more negatively. You know, did, do you think it works better for middle school, high school, university, all equally?
2: I would say maybe university could, they maybe don't take to it right away, but once we get going, they're usually pretty pretty engaged and pretty enthused about it. Uh, maybe high school, for me, they're super excited to see like a foreign teacher come to their classroom. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. So <laughs> I already yeah. have that enthusiasm. I haven't taught high school in the state, so I don't have any experience there. And then in middle school where I've taught in the states with after school programs and now at a middle school here in LA it's they're pretty enthusiastic about doing games because it's a change of pace right it's not it's not what you know what they're used to doing in class
0: right the degree to which it kinda reads as different works in your favor right yeah 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 Um, I I never really did much game-based learning when I taught, uh, when I taught at a university. And I sort of want to – I'd love to get an opportunity to go back and teach in a university setting and see what, what adult learners would make of it. Yeah, because I just don't – I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's why I was – right? Because I only teach high school students. So my, my instinct is that middle school students would love it and that you'd get more resistance the older the students got, but, I was, yeah.
0: Yeah I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really have a sense of that. Um, so yeah. your students largely liked what you were doing?
2: Yeah, for the most part. I would say 95%. I did do a lot of, or I did some formal research into understanding whether they believe games are beneficial to their learning and that was very positive where um, I can't I don't have the research right here on me but it was as a very high number of students believe that learning a game was beneficial to the learning and they were more motivated to want to learn English if a game was involved so Hmm. at the very least they have a stronger motivation to learn Um, something like I don't don't quote me on the exact numbers, but it was around 75 students that I surveyed, and one student said no, and I don't know if there's anything I can possibly do to motivate this student to want to learn English. Maybe he, he or she just doesn't want to learn no matter what, but all but that one student said that playing games motivates them more to want to learn English. Yeah.
1: How about your colleagues in administration? Did they see the value of game-based learning?
2: In the university setting where I was definitely, I was given opportunities to do professional development through the university and talk about how game-based learning has been um, motivating for students and engaging for students. I did a university-wide professional development where uh, teachers and different professors from outside of our department came and um, came to the professional development, and then I did one within our department. So I think there's definitely a lot of support in that regard at a university level. As far as in the past, in the States, I was working in after school programs, and those are like games are more natural there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in Korea, that was, I, I mean, ESL, a lot of ESL is. I think a lot of teachers use games as a crutch sometimes in ESL, and it's okay. som- sometimes expected that it does happen in teaching instruction for ESL too. Hmm.
1: Anything that hasn't worked
2: uh, that you could
1: warn warn others about yeah. before <laughs> they step in that mess, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yes, there's definitely some things I'm trying to think of, maybe some specific examples. I guess I can give some tips, which would be really yeah. knowing the game that you're using, because if you don't know God the game bless. and you have to stop instruction and look up a rule, that's very bad news. Yep. Yep. <laughs> True.
1: So, so one should be proficient in the game that they're teaching and using.
2: Right. Yeah. So, um, another, I think this is more, I don't know if it's, it's something that didn't work or more so a big deal, but definitely something that could have been a bigger deal than it was is one game that I created the negotiation game and I created a points like the points in the game were balanced in a way that no group had an unfair advantage. Yep. But one student was very good at figuring out if there was an unfair advantage and he came (laughs) he he came up to me after class and he said like trying to explain to me that it's not fair and this other group had um, a better opportunity to win and so on so that one student was frustrated maybe I I don't think that there was an imbalance but I I would say if you do create your own game make sure it's pretty fairly balanced and also again what we talked about the game comes after the learning outcomes. So, also iterate that winning the game is is a fun part of class, but that's not what we're really here to do. We're here to to practice our language and use these different grammar structures and review vocabulary. Right. Yeah. I mean, Those I, are all
1: great tips.
2: Yeah, I mean, i
0: I've, I've regularly encouraged teachers to think about. In, in an age where we want students to take risks and where the culture just does not incentivize them to take risks, what would it look like to get an A for getting an F? Do you see what I mean?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking so much about this. Right.
0: I mean, isn't that how
1: to how to gamify risk taking?
0: Right. Right. Yes. How do you how do you reward that? Yes. Such that the student will will swing and miss right? and you want to reward the thoughtful swing and a miss. Right, right. Right. And I mean, certainly, I mean, look, what are the three of us? Dustin, you teach English and ESL. Tracy, high school chemistry. I teach entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is all about a comfort level with taking risk and I work with a very risk-averse student body.
1: Same.
0: Right? <laughs> and and, and that, that makes it really hard because they don't... Even when they fully trust me, they can't get past that kind of mental block right. About about taking risk. And surely in ESL... Speaking in another language when you don't feel comfortable, right? It's always it's it's always an only risk taking. You got to get out there and just do it, and it's super hard.
2: Yeah, that's I mean, one hundred percent is one thing that I found in my research is being able to put students in a players perspective, instead of a language learning perspective, they're able to, to not be worried about making mistakes as a language learner. Instead, they're worried about playing the game. And that's, that's a way, at least in language learning that students are more okay with making mistakes.
0: Right. I I think Dustin, you were on Kathleen Mercury's podcast a month or two ago, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember that point that you made, and I remember writing it down as a, uh, uh, you know, as a sort of quote this in this book that I'm working on about <laughs> bringing bringing a, role, a fully realized role playing modality to uh, all aspects of teaching and learning. Um, I was like, yes, that that's it, right? What Dustin just said on that other show,
2: right? Um Yeah, I think something I believe you guys have talked about too is how RPGs have that leveling system and that may be one way to leverage risk taking too. Right.
1: Like I'm, just you writing, can't, I'm just writing this down.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've really uh, been I have a I have a student right now who is super excited about science and loves to learn. Um, you know, always like reel into the concepts, but it takes him longer to process and do things like that. But he, he takes risks, um, you know, a hundred times more often than his classmates, but his, because I teach at a traditional high school, his grade doesn't reflect that at all, right? right? It just reflects that math is more difficult for him and we're in an honors chemistry course. And mm. I've really been thinking about, you know how do I capture this thing that he's mastered so well this you know I am going to answer this question, I'm going to think about this and, and and talk through it with you when I have no idea what's going on, but we're going to get there together, um, which his classmates don't do. Um, okay, sorry mm. right, right. There, no, no they they're. <laughs>
0: If I, 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 I sort of feel like if we in the game-based learning community could figure this one out, you know, we, we'd, we'd, we'd vault to the top of sort of alternative methods, right? Because you look at all of these writers, you know, your Ken Robinsons and your uh, Joe Bowlers and, you know, uh, uh, on and on. Who are writing about these challenges in twenty first century education? This is at this is at the heart of of at least part of what they're concerned about. And I'm I, yeah I'm I'm not yeah I'm I not s- sure how to do it yet.
1: Right, and I see that games can definitely help some students to take more risks. But I also play plenty of games with people who won't take risks even in games. You know, role players <laughs> yeah. who won't commit or people who will never, like, just go for it. You know, like, we're playing 7-1. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to science the shit out of this. Who, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> right. You know, like, I could go down in flames or, or win this or, you know, but I'm going to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm going to commit to it. Right. But not right. everyone even plays games like that, I guess.
0: You're totally right, right. There are people who, who, who won't even play that way. Right? right. There's no life stake and there's no life stake in it. But I'm not going to do it. Right. Um, mm. And I, I mean, luckily for me, I only role play with people who are all in role players. So I don't I don't have that struggle. I don't know why you'd ever want to role play if you're not willing to, you know, go go pedal to the metal. Right. That's crazy to me.
1: Agree. Agree. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um,
1: I was just thinking about all the people I had role play with. And <laughs> and commitment is not always the same as, like, excellent role play. Well.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I was processing that mm, while you were talking. I've seen. <laughs> okay, now look. Commitment does not always equal excellence. No. I will speak no. for myself, too. I mean, that, every you know. <laughs> We yeah. can't always be our best.
0: Yeah. I've certainly seen many very peculiar decisions that players yeah. have taken. Indeed, right. Tracy, in games that I have run with you in them. <laughs> oh, good grief. Okay.
1: Well. No, so, yeah.
0: so, uh, Dustin, but you're I'm back in the United States.
1: Wait. I just want to say again to Dustin. I'm excited about this leveling idea with the risk taking. There's Leveling in and there. risk. There's something in there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's let's put a, you know, if if we find ourselves maybe at lunch or something, you know, let's put that question up on the board as a, you know, a dear attendees. Right. Think about this question. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: And maybe put like a almost make like that question almost like an unconference. Right. If you want to talk about that for 10 minutes in your break. Go sit here, and we're going to and talk about are going to talk it. Talk right? about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because it would be great if we could, uh, if if we could get some kind of an answer or some kind of a. Let's try this in a, uh, you know, you know, in in different kinds of classrooms. Um, right. So, Dustin, what are you working on now? You're 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 back in the U.S. of A., and I know you're 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 looking to land that you know, English or ESL, you know, kind of gig, right? Right. You're not in that yet because, you know, you come back in late September and that's
2: not when schools are hiring, right? But, you know, kind of what are you working on now? Right. So I guess there are kind of three things that are moving in place or getting moving into place. Uh, The podcast will be hitting season eight coming up uh, end of January. So... We'll have Amazing. our first episode February. We'll have a preview episode end of January for what's what's coming up for that season. And then uh, the first episode will be the first week of February. I think February 3rd, whatever that, nice. that Monday is. And then um, we're really trying, like I mentioned earlier, I'm excited that we're in the same area, is to build a community here. And we're going to start doing board game nights and also like tutoring programs through different content areas to preview like science concepts through different games for students. And then something that we launched on Kickstarter and we will hopefully be back with in the summer is Worlds XP. Which yeah, is, talk more about that. Yeah, so it's similar to what we kind of talked about with Classcraft. But one thing that makes it a bit different is, one, this Worlds XP is a physical kit where Classcraft mm-hmm. is all digital. And both of them are classroom management systems, but what we do with Worlds XP is create different um, RPG scenarios that you can visit and revisit about once a week with your students and implement learning outcomes into those RPG scenarios. And Mm -hmm. we kind of give suggestions on how to do that. Uh, One example in one scenario that we used in my wife's classroom about a year ago now is working on introductory paragraphs and in the scenario the students end up on a deserted island (laughs) and on the island there's a pen, a piece of paper, and a glass bottle and so they all need to write an introductory paragraph as to why they should be rescued. So they need their hook, they need their thesis statement, and they need some background information. And then at the end of class they vote on which introductory paragraph gets sent off in the glass bottle um, mm. so it's really cool that students are recognized for their work so next class um, the teacher kind of reads out the paragraph and then the scenario continues um, there's i guess in rpg there's the railroad right where they're kind of right. railroaded into the next scenario so there's ways that you're there's some freedom but in decision-making in the scenarios, but then also it should be leading you down the path of a specific storyline. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, the railroad is not what we want.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> uh, not too much. Be, I mean, yeah. Some,
0: uh, well, we want structure. Right. Right. But the railroad, it's almost like a, a railroad... Limits the game master? Yes. Right, because the game master should be in a place where he or she is is always willing and able to flex the story in response to creative playing. Right. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes players can be a little, they can be disruptively creative. Which is not necessarily what I'm talking about. Uh, right, controlled
1: but, creativity.
0: Right, right. Don't don't be so wedded to your version of the shared story that you don't re- that you can't realize. Oh well, I hadn't thought about. Oh, I hadn't thought about them riding a herd of goats.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I right. thought
0: maybe they'd take the train. <laughs> but all right. Goats it is. All right. right. Okay. Give me a minute to think about goats. Yeah. All right. Goats. Got it. Next. We're on goats. Right. Okay. Right. And, you know, maybe you can think of something that was going to happen down the road that happens now because of that or or who knows. Right. Um, one of our, one of our, for our first guest, you know, Dustin shared this idea with us, a simple sentence that Tracy and I have been worrying oh. over for, for months, right? And it's just, Tracy?
1: Z- Zinger right to my heart. Um, what do you want to do next?
0: Right. What do you want to
2: do next?
1: What do you want to do next? And
2: are you, and are you asking me? <laughs> no, that's what teachers
1: should be asking kids.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. What do
1: you, that's what a GM says all the time, right? Mm. What do you want to do next?
0: Right. And and if we just get into the habit of asking that, it puts all of that agency back, all of that responsibility back, you know, on the on the learner. Right. And it it really helped to shape my it it has it has that question alone has changed the way I've taught this year. Agree. Yeah, not not uh, you know radically, but some a little, right? Um, so World's XP and people can go online and look that look up World's XP, right?
2: Yeah. So, like I said, it was a Kickstarter, and we'll be back either on a Kickstarter or doing a print-on-demand type of deal with the Game Crafter potentially, where they'll be able to just order a kit if they want to try it out. Or again, we'll hopefully launch it. A- <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll hopefully launch a Kickstarter in the summer because we're still working on to get we're still working on getting unique art for all the characters and the um adventures and things like that. So right now there's there's uh, I guess placeholder art, like stock art for some of the the mm-hmm. components in the kit mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I've I've read
0: the manual that would come with it uh, cuz you shared the manuscript with me. Dynamite I think anyone <laughs> anyone interested in this space would want to read that, um, because you you know you're you're thinking about lesson structure in a way that I mean frankly Tracy and I in in this work we've gone back and forth for forever on right it's so much about planning. Mm right and certainly in our in our episode last time with michael ann it was it was well now that we've got this structure in place what are the students doing and how do we change that for next time to make it even more student focused and centered right tracy
1: yes we've already started that work
0: nice nice i cannot wait to have her (laughs) back on after it to hear to hear how it went um So, uh, so, uh, so Kickstarter
1: this summer, wait, Kickstarter this summer, um, and print on demand.
2: Yeah. So one of the, I guess, issues that were out of my hands in a way was I didn't market it very well. So I guess one thing I want to mention any of your listeners, if they want to test it out to Hundred percent, more than welcome to send me an email, and I can send them the print and play. Um, and I did not market as well as I would have liked to. And Kickstarter, there were some other issues with that platform and the timing with that. And also, I released it during the worst time of year for teachers, and I didn't, I didn't really consider that. I was just excited <laughs> about the project. I think <laughs> right. I launched it at. Like around Thanksgiving time, and teachers just are—you know—you're just putting your head down. And you're trying to get through yep. that semester. So. <laughs> right, right, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and is this for middle school, high school, all disciplines? Does it work for everybody, or does it um geared towards certain disciplines or ages?
2: Uh, so the idea is that it's all disciplines and all ages, but I would right. say there are some that maybe would take to it a little bit more and it's I've had feedback that the R is very middle school level appealing to middle schoolers but we've used it with high school students I mean that's the first time we used it in my wife's classes with her high school students so um, ninth through 11th grade ESL remedial classroom Um, and then uh, there was another teacher in I think she was in Italy that used it with her second graders so Yeah, we've had and um, gifted teachers also have used the kit. Uh, so it's been it's been used by I want to say a handful of teachers so far, and we're still looking for anyone else that wants to try it out. Love to hear any feedback, positive or or negative feedback, anything. Yeah, Grant.
0: yeah. I, I I suspect Dustin that there would be many schools, and maybe you and I can talk about this offline. Um, many schools, charter otherwise, that I have I have uh, you know kind of contacts in here in the L.A. market that might be willing to give this uh, you know a, a spin, or uh, you know researchers at U.C.L.A. or U.S.C. or at Pepperdine, the the main uh, doctorate in education granting institutions here, there might be researchers who would love to deploy your your mode into classes and do and you know write a dissertation or what have you on it
2: yeah i mean i would really really appreciate that especially if you if you have any contacts and anything just to make it a better product for teachers i think that's really my goal is how do we take gamification and game-based learning and leverage it to help more educators too
0: yeah i mean that's certainly that's certainly our goal here on this program Right. Yep. All right. So I normally lead with this, but in this case, we're going to finish with it. Tracy, what are you playing now?
1: Um, Blessedly, my Delta Green group is back together and we were on hiatus for December.
0: Praise, praise.
1: Because one of us was um, in Myanmar for a wedding. I don't ask. Um, right. Right. Let it so go. we had our we had our our inaugural 2020 session on Friday night. It was amazing. So happy to have it back in my life. And I do you also know this game, Dustin? Delta I don't. Green. No, no. It's um, modern day Call of Cthulhu, essentially. Like if the government um, knew about Eldritch horrors and oh, took over, cool. sort of tamping them down and taking care of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so that's back in action. And I played, I'm gonna say the name wrong. I always paranormal investigators, maybe.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know this game.
1: I think that's I think that's what it's called. Hmm. Um you're a group of ghost hunters and one of you is a ghost and okay. you Good there's start. little scenario cards. Yeah, spooky ghosts, um, and solving a, a murder mystery. Love. Um, There's a little scenario card that tells you, like, who, why, how, and the weapon that you were killed with and all these things. So you have to communicate that to the paranormal investigators. But there's all these, like, weird methods of doing it. Like, you can draw pictures on someone's back or mouth a single word or (laughs) do a three-second pantomime or, you know, wildly entertaining.
0: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, Board game, card game?
1: It is a board game. I played it for the first time at Meeple on Saturday, and we played two games in a row.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, uh, Dustin, it it is rare for Tracy to not be engaged in some manner of eldritch tomfoolery. (laughs) Uh, So... You know, God only knows what she's going to bring with her from Pittsburgh to Game Level LearnCon two. You know, ready. At, I'm excited. At, at least probably some sort of a Cthulhu, you know, knit maybe hat my or Cthulhu something. Cthulhu
1: beard, maybe. Yeah, my tentacle maybe, beard. <laughs> yeah. maybe,
0: yeah. Um, this sounds like fun stuff. Tracy, did you get anything? do you get anything game wise for? Uh... I
1: didn't. I didn't get oh. any games for Christmas. I know. Oh. I know. Well, I was just at PAX Unplugged, and oh, I see. Oh, oh you were at yeah.
2: right, Pax Unplugged. I was there too. We just, what? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
1: was spent most of my time in the Chaosium room playing in GM Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, Tracy, you'll be you'll be um, you won't be surprised to hear that I've already I've already put the arm twist and the strong arm on Dustin to come to Origins.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Right. Yes. Right. Oh badges and, and, are on sale. I gotta get my badge. Right, right. I already booked and, my housing. That's been right. done for a month.
0: Right. <laughs> Tr- Tr- Tracy has sort of cornered the market on the Airbnb
1: yeah. okay. jamb. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. 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 Uh,
0: yeah. I mean I, I continue to believe that, that Origins is is uh, is the place to go if you wanna if you wanna talk to gamers who are educators. Mm. Yeah. Right. Because the Origins University track is just really strong in that area. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, do you remember Dustin, how messed
1: up I was last year at Origins?
0: I do. It was a
1: not from I was I was just from gaming so much. Right.
0: It was I a cluster.
1: Overbooked. Oh man.
0: Right. Yeah. There was <laughs> there were about ten minutes where I was afraid your molecules were just gonna go <laughs> boom. <laughs> it's like we were walking with Tracy, and then I, we just heard this sort of fizzing kind of sound, and she's gone, you know, yeah. into the ether.
1: I left my car my car keys in my car. It was bad. I was so tired by the end of Origins. Yeah. Ooh, such well, nice. a good yeah. time. Such yeah, it was <laughs> a great time. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, because Dustin's now in Southern California, he and my partner and uh, uh, one of our sisters-in-law and uh, Dustin's wife all came together a couple of days ago and had a game day. Yeah, and so Dustin, I know what you've been playing because you <laughs> yeah. played it with me. But what you know, what what else you know? Tell tell the audience about what you what you played and kind of why those games, and then you know, kind of what are you playing now?
2: Uh, so we played Wavelength. That was the first one, and that right. is a unique game, I think, and totally where you try to communicate with the other team a clue, and they have to gauge what level it's on. So we could maybe play it real quick sure go and i'll do i'll think of a number
1: a a level from zero to 100 right
2: right yep so i'll think of a number and i'll do a scale of we'll use one that we what we had on the other day bad candy to good candy okay Okay,
1: so zero is bad candy right
2: right Yep. and And good candy is a hundred Okay, and you're okay. gonna
0: pick a number and then you're gonna give us a clue that you think we'll say that number right,
2: right. Yeah okay. so Mike it's
1: gonna be hysterical
2: <laughs> my, my clue but, will be uh, what are those the so your clue can be it could be more than just a word or it, it could be a like a, it just has to be one idea so it's gonna be those those candy cigarettes Oh
0: you mean chalk they're like when I tell you when I
1: was small <laughs> when I was a kid I used to take those to the corner of my street I couldn't smoke them in front of my house I had to smoke them on the corner
2: the candy cigarettes
1: yes <laughs> why I mean, what smoke you mean eat right yeah but like you could puff like little powder uh, and come okay. out right? so I'd have to go to the corner that's funny puff out the powder and then eat them okay uh so I'm how old are you Dustin can I ask how old you are Dustin
2: yeah, I'm 32. Okay. A wee lad. Uh, <laughs> they're,
0: a bit, they're a bit like Necco wafers.
1: What? Are they? A bit. Have I ever he- had it? The ones I had when I was a kid were gum.
0: Gum?
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> why I was asking how
1: old he was, because nostalgia is not going to be the same for him.
0: No. I would and... rank
1: it high because of going to the corner and smoking my kid. <laughs> 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 I'm going to go with Thirty-nine
0: gum. No, no. Okay. That's well, your number. thirty-nine all right. is my number. I'm gonna go with Tracy's number because this you is can't insanity. The same number as me. <laughs> what? No, we're supposed to. We're supposed to. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Are, okay. No, no, and no. That's if we play it collaboratively. No, no, no. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go.
1: In the real game, are we supposed to agree?
0: That's one form. Right. Yeah. Okay. We, we let's pl- agree okay. then. You think no, it's lower? No. Let, let's be opposed to each other as we okay. always have been.
1: Like the price is right.
0: (laughs) That's right. Uh, I will bid uh, even lower. Uh, I'm going to bid 18.
2: Ooh, it was 15. (laughs) Oh, he really hates candy cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tracy, what
0: would your 15 candy be? Those
1: dots on paper.
0: Oh, button candy. Is that what they're
1: called? <laughs> it's just paper. You're just eating paper. Yeah. Uh, What's your 100 candy?
0: Wax lips.
1: No. no. <laughs> <laughs> mallow cups. Mm. Mallow cups.
0: That's it, baby. You hit. You hit. You hit it. I love mallow cups so much. Dustin, your number one hundred candy?
2: I think right now it's white chocolate Reese's. Gross. What? White chocolate
1: Reese's. Pieces? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. no
2: the peanut butter cups Ew, yeah just know. terrible white chocolate
0: and peanut butter <laughs> they're good You're disinvited i'm not even going to put this episode out now <laughs>
1: but i can already see that wavelength is going to be super fun right yeah
0: right and you know the great thing about this is that you can you can use it virtually in every discipline right yeah you know for sure okay so take this piece of legislation from the civil war and evaluate it based on what this kind of a person or this kind of a person right right you yeah. know how would this person have reacted to this right so you critical thinking it's it's a little strong but you do have to put yourself in the mindset of uh uh you know someone for whom you have to have empathy in order to understand where they would kind of kind of land on that yeah right so that's interesting to me
2: yeah that's i know i was trying to think of how we could use it in a learning setting and that's perfect
0: yeah i mean that 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 sort of feels like how you know how it would work within the sort of humanities disciplines right i'm not sure how i'd use it in one where there's like science you know um because it's because it's about the game's about perspective taking Mm -hmm. Right. right, and it's about trying to well, I mean the game's called wavelength, right, so you know I'm figuring you know Dustin being a younger person right would have sort of negative associations with that kind of a that kind of a product, right, whereas someone right. who's older it would be neutral or right you know whatever, right you know tracy's gum you know gum on the corner, you know, kind of kind of jam <laughs> right um, yeah and um and we played this this fun little uh dungeon crawl kind of thing right that you got from someone in singapore or what
2: yeah so it's cat venture um i got it from a publisher in singapore when i was attending a taiwan board game festival it's the yearly festival they do in taiwan and we had streamed uh, all day actually we streamed all day for two days it was a it was a lot of work but we interviewed a lot of publishers, and my friend does uh, blogging for Cardboard East, and that's a review site for all Asian board games. So we wanted to kind of highlight some Asian publishers and kind of help them get the word out about games they're working on and what they have published already. But yeah, it was. I think the game was pretty fun. There's a lot of depth to it that was a bit unexpected. I think it
0: was it was a little bit more um, tricky than the art, which is really playful and cute, would have suggested. It was a little more strategic. Right. uh, Particularly in that third turn.
2: Yeah, yeah, because how the game works, you have level one, level two, and level three, and you have different cat ventures. And the first level, you only choose three of your cat ventures to enter the dungeon. The second level, it's four. So the last level, you're choosing all five. And you kind of have to really consider the order of your choices and also mm-hmm. what other players are doing and when, to.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot going on. It was a pretty fun game.
2: Yeah, I liked yeah. it.
0: And, uh, and we played Sagrada.
2: Yeah, one thing I was considering about Sagrada, and then I just recently recorded an interview on our podcast about tangential learning, and I want to look it up again, because I don't quite remember, but I do remember one card was called the Flux something, and that's a reference to maybe Back to the Future, the Flux Capacitor. Yeah, it was some... Flux
1: Capacitor? You don't... Right. Dustin, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe the flux capacitor is about back to the future. <sighs> I feel <Yeah>. so old. <laughs> Children, right, Tracy? <laughs> He's not that much younger than me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the flux capacitor is what, back to the future, is what lets right? them yeah, travel through time. But there was another,
2: right. another card that had a reference to some form of uh, art technique, and I looked it right. up, so I don't have it now, but I think games have a lot of opportunity to add those types of things to, like, flavor text, where maybe you're interested right. in learning a bit more, which was really cool, but Sagrada is fun. Yeah,
0: Sagrada was fun.
2: Uh,
0: what else have you been playing that didn't involve me?
2: Uh, we picked up Rising Sun before Christmas, so we got to play that a couple times, and... Let's see. We played Clank. Clank's fun, a deck builder. Yeah, good old Clank. Clank in space. Clank in
0: space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Clank is one of those games where, when I get asked questions when I'm presenting to an audience of people just learning about game-based learning, mm-hmm. and they don't have a lot of, they don't have a lot of games in their background. Right. One of the thesis statements of this program is play all the games. OK. We want you as listeners to to hear what, you know, Tracy and and me and our guests are playing and then go play these games. Right. Because they're going to help you, you know, just playing Wavelength for 10 minutes. Could help stimulate your thinking about empathy or about judgment or about perspective taking. Right. Um, and. Uh, you know sagrada you know which is nominally about using dice to build beautiful stained glass windows actually has a uh, a drafting structure that's really interesting like clanks is interesting and right. if you think about different things that you might have your students draft as they do their work because they want a particular thing among a number of things that have potentially equal value well, that's super interesting to me.
1: What are you playing? Um, that doesn't
0: involve I, Dustin. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
0: um, I got uh, a, a copy of uh, a new civilization building game called Tapestry. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is uh, by Stonebriar Games, Jamie Stegmeier, who's sort of a new hotness designer. Yep. basically everything he touches turns to gold these days yep. uh we played that uh, over the winter holiday and even though it's a two and a half hour civilization builder game th- w- this group that I was playing with we like sort of we can do medium heavy all the way up to really heavy okay yeah. this is this is sort of medium it looks like it should be really complicated mechanically it isn't but strategically it totally is yeah. we finished and we were like Reset, let's play this let's thing again. again. Yeah. Right? And uh, and that game, it's beautiful, and it's it was super fun. And we're playing, uh, John and I have played a number of times now, a roll, a roll and build game called Era, the Medieval Age, where you get dice, and the mechanic of the game is very much like a Yahtzee or any other kind of roll and write game. You roll dice, and it generates resources which you then use to buy buildings and you put them into this kind of tapestry if you will or this not a tapestry like a display a tableau right where each one of you builds a a, a pretty village okay and it's fun because you know you're rolling dice and you're and
1: building pretty you know, villages and you're building
0: pretty things and you know yeah. and that's 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 good fun um so uh, so that's what I've been playing. I haven't done much role playing uh, because I've been writing, you know, I've been writing that that book with Luke. Right. So I've had my head in that game for for about seven or eight weeks. I've been grinding on that for now. So, um, so as we come to uh, you know the hour, Dustin, uh, what two games would you suggest that an educator play to get a sense of what game based learning and gamified instruction means to you?
2: That's a good question I wrote down on my notes. To, yeah, you knew to, <laughs> what was coming. Yeah, <laughs> to, What did you, what did you write down? When I didn't write another <laughs> suggestion. I just wrote down the question. Um, Dustin! I, I think the answer might depend on what discipline or what content area you're teaching. I guess for me, there's a lot of word games that are... Like very, they call out to you, but they maybe are not the best to use. And one example might be like Scrabble in English language learning. Okay. You might see that as, oh, that's a word game. That's a language game. That'll be really great for class. But I think it's not the best because a lot of times in Scrabble, you're having to pull things out of your brain to output it onto the board where other games will give you the, the language and then you just need to construct the language out of whatever what is already there and a game that does that really well i think is codenames
1: yay
2: um and it's it's cooperative what? or competitive but with your team and you're cooperating as you're with your team um i think it's really good because you have an opportunity to really recycle through different words and if you don't understand a word on the board yep. you can kind of talk with your with your team to to get it Um, Another one that I really, really, really like to use is called trap words. And if you're familiar with uh, taboo, taboo, you have a word, and the word might be apple, and I have to get my team to guess the word apple, but I cannot say red, tree, or fruit. So trap words, if you haven't played that, it's a little bit different, where the other team creates the three words. So if the other team has... Or if my team has to guess guess Apple, they're the other teams thinking of three words I cannot use. So they might write red, but they might not because it's too obvious, so they think I'll avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um So this is really great because Oh, you
1: don't know the three words. They
2: right, pick. right. I don't know those trap ah. words. I don't know the 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 Brutal. Bad this words. is yeah.
1: brilliant. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think it's and it's awesome in a game based learning setting because the other teams working on creating words they're thinking about what that word means they're defining it by creating three words associated to it and then as the other team is guessing the team's listening for their trap words so they're not out of it you know in taboo you have the one team just participating right the other team's not really doing much but just kind of sitting there where trap words it really involves everyone in the both the learning process and playing the game yeah
0: it's um in your discipline, I mean, ridiculous, right? But the concept is totally usable in in any discipline, right?
1: Right, for sure.
0: Yeah. Describe this biological or chemical process.
1: Right, but you can't use well some. Well, you can't words. use
0: certain kinds of words. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and figure your way around it so that you know. When, when, in my entrepreneurship class, the, one of the first things that we start with is informative speaking and persuasive speaking, okay? And I show a video to my students about uh, brain science. The professor who is on the video explains a concept, the same concept, to like a five-year-old, a middle school student, an undergraduate, uh, a graduate student in the field, and like an entrepreneur in the field, right? Mm-hmm. And I show it just so that the students understand that there are different, you can target different audiences in different ways and still get the, the substance across, right? Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, I want to play this trap yeah, game. Gonna, I've never I'm played. Yeah, I'm gonna it. look for that. <laughs> bring it for yeah, bring it to the I'm, con. I'll definitely bring it. Yeah, yeah bring it, bring sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Dustin, before we uh before we ring off, uh anything you want to share with uh the audience of this podcast or any places that you'd like them to go? How would people get in touch with you? That sort of thing.
2: You can definitely find the podcast and any podcast platform and that's board game with education or if you just search board game with education on any of the social media sites like facebook instagram or twitter and then my email is podcast at board okay and uh
0: i'll put uh links in the show notes to world's xp and uh you know and to your your sites on facebook as well
2: awesome yeah okay. thank you again for having me on Thanks Brilliant, for man. on. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Can I yeah, plug uh, something? Tracy, plug away.
1: Um, How We Roll Podcast is a okay. UK-based podcast that plays Call of Cthulhu and Dungeons and & Dragons. And I'm on a one-shot with them, Murder on the Eberron Express. It's a DD and <sighs> d one-shot, um, kind nice. of like Murder on the Orient Express, but sure. it takes place in Eberron. Um, Wizards of the Coast just released, um, the Eberron source book, um, not too long ago. So this is the one shot. So how we roll podcast and I'm on the murder on the Eberron express one shot. Episode nice. one is out already.
0: Nice. I will check it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tracy, you're still at T.L. Wozniak. Yes.
1: yes. Sorry about my it's spelt Wozniak. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is spelt-, spelt
1: just like it sounds.
0: <laughs> yeah. Spelt just like it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Two, two Ws, two Gs, a Z, an A, and four Ns. There's and <laughs> only two Gs. <laughs> um, I'm, of course, at johncassie at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook uh, or other social medias or at gamelevellearn.com. And the Discord. And, and the Discord, of course, which we need to use more of. Um, and um, that'll be in the show notes as well. And Dustin Stats... A million thanks and looking forward to seeing you uh, when we get to Game Level Learn Con 2 and hearing you again back on this program uh, as you continue to push through with World's
2: XP. John and Tracy, thank you guys. And yeah, I'm super excited to meet again in person and meet you for the first time yes, at Game Level Learn Con. It'll be brilliant. All right, guys. See you soon.
1: Bye. You.
0: Bye.